0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. It's Monday. That means that Tyler Rucker, a.k.a. Backcourt Violation, is joining me once again. The Morning Dunk just went out this morning. By the time you're hearing this podcast, it's going to be Wednesday. But just in case you missed the Morning Dunk, just in case you miss any content from the No Silly Substack, just go subscribe. It's easy. It's free. It comes right to your email inbox. You can just pop open your email in the morning, read it as you're drinking a cup of coffee, as Tyler would be. I, I have coffee in the morning too. Tyler's always drinking coffee. He's got some right there. There you go. But make sure you're subscribed. You can find links to the Substack on all of our social media channels. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Follow Tyler on Twitter at Backcore V. Very easy to find us. Go read, read, read. But if you're not in a reading mood for whatever reason, you're getting an audio version right now. Although I like the audio version a little bit more because I get Tyler's reactions to everything I wrote. I get to hear him tell me how much of an idiot I am for everything that I wrote for the week. So Tyler, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm good. I, You know, what's funny is I
1: just got done reading Nathan's earlier today and, uh, I think this was your best piece yet. You know, I'm the most excited. I think this is my favorite podcast we're going to do together just because of the slate of players we're going to talk about. I'm, I'm really excited. I think this was you hit this one out of the park. I, I think this is going to be our best show yet.
0: Well, when I write about Arizona, you're probably going to have a, a smile on your face. Definitely. And- I'm guilty of that. <laughs> That that's exactly what I did. I didn't write about every single person on the team. There's a few prospects that have caught my eye that maybe Tyler wants to expound upon a little bit who I didn't touch on and Azulis Tabolas, as well as Kirk Krisa. But the main focus of this piece was to compare and contrast draft stocks between two very popular wings in the 2022 draft class. That would be Benedict Mather, and obviously, who we'll talk about on the Arizona side and go in the opposite direction, Patrick Baldwin's stock is seeing a pretty steep decline across a lot of mainstream boards. But let's start with the Arizona guys first and foremost. Let's keep that smile on Tyler's face for a little longer here. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see his his pearly whites right there. But Arizona. So I had caught a little bit of their film earlier in the year. I got to sit down and actually watch in full with some note-taking Arizona and Illinois. That was a fun game, first and foremost. I love everything that Illinois brought to the table trying to hold the court at home. But this Arizona team, at the time of that game, this this past weekend, they were ranked number 11. Now they're absolutely going to be ranked within the top 10. I didn't get to catch their ranking today, but I, I think they're around like eight or nine, something along those lines. This is a team, you just flip on the film. They are dangerous. They are versatile. They have depth. They have the type of roster construction built around a point guard and increased who makes everyone around him better, who can take over and be a scorer at different points when some of the other guys don't have their shots falling. We saw that in the second half, of the Illinois game. They have a big man who I'm sure you're going to rave all about because he did preseason in Coloco, who is a seven foot one mo- mountain man who can protect the rim. Obviously, he's athletic. He can get out on the perimeter, defend a little bit, keep guys in front of him and really the crown jewel of this Arizona team is, is Matherin 6 foot 7 wing scorer i think he can play the 3 in the nba we were having some internal debates this weekend on whether is he a 2 is he a 3 either way he is a tremendous wing scorer three level scorer really has his bread and butter is shooting the basketball he's Not the most dynamic creator in terms of shooting jump shots off the dribble, but if you get him going off movement, if you have him working off screens, off handoffs, getting to the basket, stopping in the mid-range, pulling up for a jump shot, open spot up threes, he can do all those things, and he can do them in spades, and then you factor in how much of an athlete he is. The transition athlete that he is, he's a vertical leaper, he can finish over guys, he's not always... The best option to finish through defenders at the rim, but at the same time, I don't know how much you're necessarily asking that of him. What we really wanted to see from him this year, and thankfully we've started to see more and more of it on the film. It's not just we wanted him to be more aggressive and take over games more consistently, but we also wanted to see him make decisions with the basketball. How much of an improvement could he show in the live dribble passing? What could he show us out of uh, some pick and roll situations? The pick and roll game hasn't quite come around yet, but he has been a much more electric live dribble passer. He's made better decisions with the basketball. I think his shot selection's improved. His shooting percentages have gone up across the board. His last three out of four games, I think he scored like 24 more points, is what I wrote in my Morning Dunk column. He is on fire, he's on a tear. By the time everybody hears this podcast on Wednesday, I won't spoil where he went in the mock draft fully, but he he is inside the top 10 on our composite mock draft that we're going to be releasing the same day. There's arguably not a hotter name in draft circles right now besides Johnny Davis. It's really him and Johnny Davis, and I even tweeted that. They've improved their draft stock the most over the, the opening weeks here. Tyler, you being the Arizona guy you're based out of Arizona, you're in Mountain Time, you're watching a lot of their games. I couldn't have a better person to talk about Matherin with. What have you seen from Matherin in his second year? Where are you at right now on his draft stock?
1: He's just been absolutely everything you know that team needs. And I went into this year thinking he was going to be, I think like you, Nathan, we thought maybe a late lottery Maybe just outside the lottery type of guy, yeah. like you know, one of those picks that you you'd get excited if you got him around sixteen. You'd be like, okay, there's some intriguing tools, some two way potential, uh, you know, a floor spacer, but he's just taken this another step, you know. And I love it because it's it's the guys that go back and improve on their game. You know, we've had previous podcasts we talked about Jaden Ivey. Now it's Matherin went back for his sophomore year after a strong summer with Can- Team Canada. Mother. Just everything you've seen, and you you pointed on it in your article, and it was exactly what I wanted to see was the decision making has just stood out in such a beautiful way. you know we we knew he had the potential to you know space the floor. he's got this outside shot that's pretty and he's also just gotten after both sides of the floor. I mean he's nasty he he gets downhill he's got some explosiveness that sneaks up on you. I've just been really impressed with, you know, the the production's been outstanding. He's, I think, you know, because Nathan loves numbers. I did some numbers before I came on this. So, you know, in December, he's got three games, but he's averaging 27.7 points and he's shooting 60% from the field and 47.8% from three. I mean, he's just on a tear right now. And like you said, I think besides Johnny Davis, Matherin is the name that is sizzling right now because. Yep. I thought he was a late lottery guy. I think he's starting to climb towards that top ten, and I know it's potentially bold, but his play has just been outstanding. And I think there's that gray area from five to ten where we're kind of looking for someone to climb up there and make some noise. I think Matherin, if he keeps up the consistent play, and Arizona keeps just having this run of really strong performances. I think Massarin could get up in the top 10. I don't think that's ridiculous at all. So really, really excited to watch him. I'm going to be going down to see, you know, some of the games in person, um, just because that team, like you said before, Nathan, that team is built fantastic. And yep. Tommy Lloyd, you know, that's a game. No, I don't mean to be hating on anyone, but that game against Illinois is they lost a lot of those games under Sean Miller. And they were on just, their way to losing that
0: game. I mean, they, they were, were down on their way. They went on like an 18 and nothing run during that yep.
1: game. And, and they battled back and they just, they knew it was a tight game and they just took control of it. And I, I think Tommy Lloyd, Tommy Lloyd looks like a potential coach of the year. I, I mean, he's just been sensational in his first year at U of A. So yeah, really excited to see Matherin um, in person. They're playing with great pace. And I, I think it's, probably going to get the attention of NBA scouts because you're seeing Matherin in this up up tempo type of system and he's just thriving.
0: So what really sets Matherin apart for me is how teams have made it a habit to consistently push him off of his spots on the perimeter and made him come inside the arc and take a different approach to shooting the basketball or scoring the basketball And even when he's been run off of his spots, he's gotten to that floater that he's now really developed in the lane. When he gets two feet in the paint, obviously him having that bounce off the floor, he can get up over guys and shoot that runner over virtually anyone he's going up against, whether it's another guard, a wing, or a big man. And that thing is silky smooth. It's buttery. It's going in. But his consistency as an outside shooter overall, the, the number of threes that he's making on volume, combined with his his floaty athletic ability, his defensive rating, I wrote in the column, he's in the 92nd percentile defensively. He's close to 90% uh, in the 90th percentile in terms of total offense. So, this is this is a big time wing and I mm-hmm. thought this during his freshman year, he could really take steps to improve and be on this Andrew Wiggins type of trajectory. Like that it's not just because the both of them are from Canada. It's it's when you watch their games the best of Andrew Wiggins is when he's able to hit enough perimeter shots where the defense has to respect it. Then defense closes out on him. Wiggins is able to obviously get around his man because of the first that he has off the bounce. And then he's either going to like that floater-type move in the lane or he's hitting him with a spin move. Or now you see him in Golden State where he has become much better at reading the double team or reading how the defense is collapsing on him. He's able to make that easy pass and get the ball to where it needs to go. You're seeing all of those things for Matherin and maybe Wiggins has been a little bit of a disappointment up to this point in his career in terms of, yeah, he was the number one pick. He was, they called him Maple Jordan, like all these ridiculous nicknames and maybe he hasn't lived up to that promise, but he is a damn good wing in the NBA. Now I don't think anybody has any question that now he's in a much better situation in Golden State with a coaching staff who has invested in him, has trusted him to get a better understanding of how to play basketball on both sides of the ball. Now you're really seeing a lot of that come to fruition. And I see so much of that developmental arc already in just one year for Matherin. It's scary to me to think where his, his ceiling is or, or how high his ceiling is, Tyler. What 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 do you think about some of those kind of words I'm giving Matherin in that comp? You you know,
1: it's it's funny because I definitely see the the Wiggins vibes, and I'm probably gonna throw this statement out there and people are gonna be like, whoa, but I almost feel like he, and I know Wiggins is the top pick, but I almost feel like Mathern has way more offensive upside than Wiggins did just because the outside shot is legit. It's lethal. He can make some really tough shots off the move. Like, you know, in that Illinois yep. game, he came off when he was smothered, just bottom of the net. So I think he's taking strides in a number of really important areas. Like you talked about, he's got some touch now when he's, you know, off the dribble. He's showing some shot creation. I mean, you definitely see how much confidence is just overflowing with this kid just from coming back and working on his craft. And I really, really like Matherin. I wasn't sold on him at the beginning of the year and just the, the the strides forward in his game are just shocking me. And I really do think this is a guy that could start climbing because it's like you said, He already is climbing Tyler. Just, just say he he's, he's there. I think he's, He's I think he's a top 10 guy right now. I really do. And and I, I had him around 12 or 13 on my personal big board. I think I'd have him top 10 easily right now, just because he's nasty defensively. Like this isn't just offense. He's really nasty and he's a pest and like, I'm not shouting because Andrew Wiggins is going to be a 10 year NBA pro who's put up really good numbers. So I know the number one pick always, you know, carries some big expectations, but yeah, maybe he didn't live up to that hype, but he's still going to play 10 years in the NBA at a high level. So I think he's going to have a great career at the end of the, at the end of it, we say it, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm really riled up, but Matherin, I, I just think is physical. He's got that mentality kind of like a, almost like a jerk on the court in a good way. I don't know if Wiggins had that early on. I think now he's got that confidence with Golden State. Like you said, he's kind of resurrected his career. Now he looks like the player everyone thought. But Matherin just looks like he's just a pest, and he knows it, and he's overflowing with confidence. So, yeah. that's I mean, that.
0: I'm glad you said that, because how many times have we seen, maybe more recently at Golden State, I think he's shown much better effort on the defensive side of the ball. But we're talking about, like, even some of his better moments at Kansas or when he was in Minnesota, like how many times did we see Wiggins really want to dive on the court, go after loose balls, get after it to to actually get his team out in transition? Like we didn't see that type of grit from from Wiggins for the majority of his career up to this point. You see that from Mather. You see it yes. all the time. H- him and Tabellus are just nasty on the floor. Yes. I like that you use that word. So that that is something that really sets Mathur part absolutely. You talked about some of the movement shooting as well. That's something that Wiggins has never really had either. When you talk about does Mathur have more upside than, than Wiggins as a shooter, you don't really see Wiggins being an efficient shooter. You know, coming off screens or, or, or movement shooting that that's not really in his game. He's much more of an, an open spot up shooter. You know, and 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 to his credit, to the Golden State's credit, obviously he's going to be open at times when you have Steph Curry and Jordan Poole, the the shooting gravity, the the, the attention that they command, but. You start running through the names, man, on these big boards. Like, obviously, Paolo, Chet, Jabari, and, and Jay Nivey are pretty much at the top for, for virtually everybody. I know that we're big fans of Kendall Brown and No ceilings. Patrick Baldwin, we're going to talk about him in a second. I don't think that we're ready to sell all of, all of our stock on him either. Once you get past those names, though, man, it's like Jalen Duran, Caleb Houston, Nikola Jovic, Keegan yes. Murray. You get into the point guard conversation, like... I'm sorry, Benedict Matherin seems right now like a better option <laughs> than any of those guys. Like, I, I think he kind of has to be like a top six, top seven guy. Like, to me, the conversation is between, do you obviously believe in Duran? Do you believe in his ability to develop once again in the league? Right now, he's, he's really, really, really raw. Where are you at on Jaden Hardy? Do you still believe in him as like a top six, top seven guy? Like, that's the conversation that Matherin's in right now. I didn't think that he would get there that quickly because as a freshman, we saw him as a three, and D type guy, right? We right. didn't think that he'd be able to take over games, be a 20 plus points per game score in college. Did he have the potential to be that because of his athletic tools, his ability to get by guys consistently, his handle wasn't anything special to write home about, but it wasn't terrible either. You're seeing so many things come together at one time. Do you think it's safe to say that he's going to be like a top seven, top eight guy for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah. You just spot... You couldn't have said it be- better Nathan and I hate giving you compliments everyone should know that by now but you know we did our mock draft the no ceilings is going to be out this week and we were talking about each pick kind of doing a consensus you know almost like a war room round table where we were going through each pick discussing guys and I feel like when we got to that 6th or 7th pick it was like math room was just creeping in your mind and you're like why not you know cuz why not? If you're not sold on those guys, which personally I don't know how you feel, Nathan. I'm not sold on when we got to that range of you know seven to ten. I think there's definitely, and I'm a big Kendall Brown guy, but I think there's real, real chance that someone's gonna jump up there and be like, "Look at what I just did this year." Yeah, I came back, I improved like crazy, and maybe Mathurin's the guy. You know, we we've seen the climb that Ivy's had. Mathern could be that next guy that just cements himself with his play up there, especially if Arizona keeps doing this throughout the year and has a tourney run. Cause I just think there's a lot of questions in that seven to 10 range, you know, Duren um, for as sensational as Kendall Brown's been, I don't think that production is going to stay up there or else it'd be like a freak of nature type of season. And then, you know, Hardy, I, I, I'm still buying stock, but I still think there's going to be questions about that. So, yes, I, I definitely think Matherin could climb up into that top seven, top eight range. And I, it sounds crazy from the beginning of the year, but if you watched him on film, he impresses so many ways. So, yeah, I absolutely believe it.
0: I saw I saw Stone Hansen from Upside Swings tweet out, uh, I think a day, a day or two ago, that Matherin's one of the best tough shot makers that we have in the class, and I would 100%. Right agree with that. Some of the stuff that he's doing offensively is just filthy. And then yeah, you factor in the defensive numbers where he's at on that side of the ball. Like we now we're really talking about star upside. And yeah. when you're when you're in the top half of the lottery, even the bottom half of the lottery, you want to be star hunting for as long as possible. That's a very big thing in front of offices. You don't just want to take the quote unquote safe pick. If you feel great about your scouting process, your evaluation process you have a, a, a potential star grade on someone versus a safer pick. GMs and, and, and especially owners, they want you to take the star. They want you to take the moneymaker. They want, they want you to bring in the guy who's going to put butts in seats. And right. Matherin's doing that at Arizona right now. He's a big reason why Arizona is going to be a top team feature nationally pretty much the rest of the year. And why I think they're, they're very likely to make the final four. In in March, absolutely. There, I I really like Kansas. Um, Duke has brought some interesting things to the table. If they can all kind of gel together, obviously Kentucky is is always usually in the mix. There's some other veteran teams out there, but like Arizona, Arizona and Kansas to me seem like the two best teams in in the country right now, along with Baylor. Like those are probably like my top my top three. You think that Arizona is going to be there when it's all said and done?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, this team, just when you watch them. They play so damn fast, they're nasty. They have that attitude and it's not just like two or three guys, it's the whole team. I mean, they have eight guys they can just keep rolling out at you. It's Mathrin, it's the bigs. And I know we're gonna talk about Koloka, like Kerr has been fantastic. They just have these guys that complement everyone so well. Like they have got ball handlers that can distribute and are fantastic playmakers. They've got gritty defenders. They've got bigs that can play
0: together. They just. They're trotting out lineups mastery. with so much size, Tyler. Yes. Like if Kreese is like the smallest guy on the floor, but then you're putting out, you're throwing out Matherin, you're throwing yes. out uh, Tabellis, Larson, and Coloco. They're playing like all four of those guys together. Like the shortest guy out of them is Matherin. Whether he's listed at six seven, if you want to argue about how tall he is, sure, like we can even bump him down six six. Like. The fact that it's Kresa and then a six-six Matherin and everyone else on the court's like six ten or seven one, that's an insane amount of size in the court at one time. And it all works because they all defend together. They get out in transition. They're, you're not trapping them in half court situations as much. They're constantly running up and down the floor. And if you do get them in the half court, Kresa can get by guys. He can get in the lane, hit with, hit you with a floater. Matherin's a three level scorer now. And then when so much of that. Defensive attentions put on those two guys, then that frees up some opportunities for a to again to mix for a lob or, or to Bellis to do the same thing or take somebody off the bounce or post somebody up. Like they have so many options on that team. Yeah, that you, you can be a homer all you want. You're going to be a homer, Tyler, but I'm going to agree with you on this one. I love what Arizona's doing, but let's also hey, talk about.
1: And I just before you go on, I'm I might be a homer because they're you know down the road. I'm also pretty quick to be negative about him, because I've seen some teams disappoint in the previous years, and they're legit, like you said, and Tabellis is fun, and, you know, Kreish going to be a legit, legit prospect. Probably next year, but, you know, like you said, Nathan, they're, they're fun. So, yeah, keep it, keep
0: it rolling. I'm, I'm ready to rock. I I think we're going to hit on those two guys on another podcast because we we only have so much time together every Monday. But I did want to give you, since we were talking about Matherin, bringing up Arizona, you've been saying the name Christian Coloco since the preseason. You and Corey were were going back and forth in one of the the Pac-12 preseason articles that we did over on the Substack. The floor is yours, my friend. I want you to tell the Draft Deeper audience... Who is Christian Coloco? Why is he someone we need to be monitoring as a prospect? Why he deserves to be in the conversation with Mark Williams as one of those rim-running type figs that you want to value in the first round. What What is so special about Coloco? What have you seen from him? Why are you buying so much stock so early?
1: So I just got a look at Coloco like two years ago when he was just a freshman. And he was buried in the depth chart, you know, and it was just physically imposing Big, like seven one. He was just all muscle but thin framed. And he got some minutes in a in a bit of a blowout. And I kind of was watching him and I was like, who is this kid? Like he he can move. He he's got shot blocking. Yep. And then next year, you know, he he took a little bit of a step forward. Still I could still see how raw he was. But coming into this year, I, I was just excited. Um I had heard some preseason buzz about how he looked in camp and practices and you know, it, you could tell right away that that step is not just the baby step. It's been a leap forward and yep. he's really becoming a problem defensively and the athleticism, the instincts, the shot blocking. I think he's averaging over three blocks a game right now for Arizona. I mean, he he has the tools and I think there's a lot left in his game to kind of develop. I think there's a lot of potential. So, I, I mean, you watched that last game against Illinois. He was not backing down. I mean, he was causing nope. problems. And I, I know he only scored four points, but you look, I think he had four blocks, three steals. I mean, he's he's all over the place, and he can live above the rim, and he's not this flow-building, you know, big. He can get off the floor in a hurry. He can move. He's got some good instincts defensively. I just think – You know, when we're talking about guys like Mark Williams that are probably trending towards, you know, late first round guys, if NBA teams are looking for that potential rotation big that still has a lot of his game to be found, I think Coloco could sneak up into the end of the first. I think scouts were intrigued last year as a potential kind of, he flirted in the beginning of the year as like a potential end of the first guy. And then that, you know, that momentum kind of, dwindled just because they lacked. there's so many guys last year and there's like, so dude. many guys right. yes right. but this year it's legit and he's being a big piece in a very very strong team um and he's just i mean he's nasty and i really do think like he's got so much raw talent that is just oozing to come out to the surface so i'm a big wow. fan um I just was not expecting this big of a leap. I thought he was going to take a leap forward, kind of become like a middle second round sleeper. But now with how he's playing, I really do believe that people got to start watching him. I mean, he, he's got some serious tools. He's NBA teams are going to be fans and someone's going to believe that he's going to be a nice piece kind of to develop that can also contribute as a defensive asset early on.
0: Well, I'm I'm sure we'll we'll bring it up in in future conversations. But Mark Mark Williams, it wasn't just late first in our in our little mock draft forum yesterday. Corey, yes. that that mf was like, oh
1: sixteen, Mark Williams, let's go. <laughs> they got out of control in a
0: hurry. I was like, whoa, 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 what? Yeah, that yeah that that, that was wild. Shout out, shout out to Corey. We we love you, man. That 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 was a little wild. It was too too rich for my blood to take Mark Williams around <laughs> sixteen. But when when we evaluate. This class and it's very 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 early. You and I, we, that's that's like our running joke. Like, nice. why are you making me do a big board in December? Why are we doing a mock draft in December? At this point, and again, our opinions can change, but at least where I'm at right now, you get past like the top twenty, twenty two ish guys that we're ranking. Like, I I, I lose excitement very quickly, mm-hmm. and the, the, this class does not seem to be as deep, nearly as deep as it has been. The last two years, I kind of tried to say that on social media at the beginning of this year, like everybody pumped the brakes a little bit. Like we've had two very incredible, very deep drafts. That is not a trend that's going to continue. And these were very, very outlier years. And I think this year we're going to see it come back in a little bit. But when that happens, depending on team success, depending on performances in big games, You can see some of these guys, like a Coloco, for example, jump right into the conversation because there aren't as many names to fight with, like last year, for example. So to me, with with big men like Coloco and Mark Williams, it's, first of all, two things that you talk about, big men all the time, the hands, the feet, and can you stay out of foul trouble? Can you stay on the floor? Right now, Coloco is passing in all three of those areas. I think Mark Williams... Mark Williams has done more things on film defensively by the eye test than Coloco has, but he also hasn't been stable. He hasn't been able to stay on the court as well as Coloco has up to this point. So that's definitely an advantage of his book. Just rating Coloco off those three things, Tyler, tell me where you're at giving him grades in, in all three of those areas.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. You, if you're shot blocking big, you have to be aware and smart enough to not take the bait. And because if you try to take the bait too much, you're going to run into trouble when you have this gift to be a shot blocker. You want to, you're eager to block everything in the world, but you also have to understand when not to go for fakes, when to time anticipation, you know, wait for people to commit. I think he's showing great strides with that. And, you know, Arizona realizes he realizes, you know, they're at their dangerous when he's on the court and next to that in Tire amount of depth they have so he's got to be on the court to to impact the game and I think there's some maturity that you're seeing develop in his junior year he's just you're you're also watching him dissect the floor like he's understanding yep. that he's got to be the last line of defense you know he had a play against Illinois that was just sensational to me where he came all the way across the key and had a block on a layup attempt and you just see the the maturity, like I'm saying, is coming out, the processing speed, the development. Yep. So I think both of them are very intrigued, Mark Williams and Coloco. I just think Coloco's definitely making some noise. Like you said, Nathan, which is really important. I wanted to point out, you know, we were doing that mock draft and you get to the end of the first and it's weird. We were doing that mock and I was like, I'm more excited about some of the guys that are position to go in the second right now than some of these end of the first guys you know there there
0: are some names where we definitely left off of our composite board i'm sure as we'll detail on the piece on substack like we wanted to do a mock draft based off of our composite boards right right throwing in any any crazy names in there but sure some of those names might switch out at the end of the first round but yeah it's like when we got to like 25 26 27 we're we're kind of just trying to to Figure out where we feel these guys are need to be slotted based on team fit, but we're not really getting excited about the prospects themselves. We're kind of just trying to throw names in there to to end it a little right, bit, no, right? Yeah. Like it it just went on and, and to the point where, God, we're not excited about any of these guys. Like what's going
1: on? And and it might not be. I'm like you. I think we're swimming in dangerous waters this year because. After you have back-to-back deep drafts, then every fan's gonna be like, "Oh, next draft, here we go!" And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" That doesn't happen a lot, but there's intriguing depth in this class. But I don't know if there's the how do I word this politely. So,
0: so like in in twenty twenty <laughs> in twenty twenty for example, you had yes. guys going. I mean, I think every, I think the majority of people at Desmond Bain with, like a top twenty grade, but like you saw him go and like pick thirty. Like that's the type of role player who we knew had a ceiling to where he could start to put a few more things together and he could be more than just like an off the bench guy in the NBA. Like he could be a quality starter like he is right now for Memphis. I don't see that similar level of depth in the draft this year. Like role players who we know are role players coming in, but there is, there are multiple outcomes where they're they're a level or two above like just that role player first guy off the bench status. We don't see that depth, at least not yet. No, no,
1: not yet. And maybe there's someone that does develop, you know, maybe our boy from Kansas Christian likes to uh, goes to a perfect team. And then, <laughs> but
0: oh, he's making my business. top 30, baby. He's he is, <laughs> he without a now. doubt. Without I a mean, doubt. We,
1: we did that mock draft that I was like, I would really like to be putting him at 27 right
0: now. I told but, Chad Ford that we were going to drive that, uh, drive that train. And we, I am a man of my word. You're a man of your word. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to drive that bus for as long as we can until it runs oh, out of gas.
1: For sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to have full tanks of
1: gas in the back seat like when we're ready to roll. But no, I, I I hear what you mean and we'll see, but I I do think the end of the first as we had it now, I think there's going to be plenty of movement like you're hinting at where we're going to see some new names in our updated big boards throughout the year because that just that's what happens every year. You know, you start with a top 30 and all of a sudden 10 of those guys move. But Yeah, I I like Coloco. I I really do think people need to start watching him because I think tools are legit. The confidence is starting to come around now that, you know, he was showing those bright flashes early on, but it wasn't really ready to be on a full display. Now it's coming out on a full display. And I think, you know, plenty and plenty of upside.
0: Shout out to everyone but us who is popping off in the No Ceiling group chat right now. My phone just keeps going off and off and off. So I don't, don't know those what those guys work. About. Nah, yeah, kidding. don't don't they do anything with their lives? You Get on a play? podcast. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's move to the other guy that I had featured at the top of my column. The other guy yes. that's a part of what I call the tale of two draft stocks. And yes. Patrick Baldwin Jr. had a big game on Friday against Colorado. Colorado is not one of those teams that's going to blow everybody out of the water, but they're a power five opponent. And currently right now, Milwaukee doesn't have any more power five opponents to play on the season. They played Florida. They played Colorado. They get one more game against Rhode Island, which is going to happen tonight. A little after we're recording this podcast, we'll see how he does. But in terms of like top 100 type of teams, like that's it. That's all they got. And, all that's left for Baldwin to do is feast on the Horizon League, which would have been great if he would have done better in these two games. And we wouldn't have to talk about a situation like this that you and I literally sat here on a preseason podcast and we talked about Baldwin. And we sat and looked at each other with a blank stare in our face like, what happens if he shits the bed against Florida Right. He then goes and shits the bed against Colorado. Yep. Like how far how fast and how far is this man going to fall down draft boards? And here we are. Here we are. I did my podcast with Chad. If you haven't listened to that podcast with Chad Ford, please I'm gonna plug myself. Go listen to that on the draft deeper feed. That was that was excellent. Chad was one hell of a trooper for coming on, but he Shout out, Chad. We love shout out to Chad. He sat there, looked me dead in the face, and told me that. Out of all the names that he's talked to NBA scouts about, Patrick Baldwin is the one that keeps coming up as he's leaving a sour taste in everybody's mouth. Like, we expected him to do more. We expected him to do more against Florida. He had a poor performance. He's been inconsistent against some of the other competition he's played. Yeah, he had that great game where he was six for six from the three-point line against Robert Morris. But other than that, he's been very inconsistent. And now he's really starting to drop. I know Chad, his last big board, he had him at 14. I see other people asking me, like, why is this dude in, like, the, even in the middle of the first round? Like, he should be, like, a late first rounder at this point, given his play. And you and I are both going to sit here and we're going to say, folks, take a deep breath. He's 19 years old. I think he's 19 years old. I don't think he's 18. I think he's 19. But I think he's 19. All right, all
1: right. He's regardless,
0: that's not important. It's not important. What is important is that he's a teenager. Right. And he's in a situation where he's on a bad, Bad, bad Milwaukee team. He is the only guy the defenses have to game plan against. Like, in my column specifically, I compared his situation. Like, let's compare his situation to, like, Paolo Bencaros, for example. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, 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 both, they're both 6'9", 6'10", gifted offensive forwards. Except Palo has Trevor Keels and Jeremy Roach and Mark Williams and Wendell Moore. So defenses can't just key in on him in the same way that they can on a Patrick Baldwin, for example. They can't afford to trap Paolo as many times as they could afford to trap a Pat Baldwin, for example. Now, my point, my, my counter-argument that a lot of people would make would be like, well, Jabari Walker is going to guard Paolo as much as he's going to guard Pat Baldwin. That's true. Jabari is going to guard the best matchup in both situations. But Palo also doesn't have the same pressure to make every single shot that he takes and make all these you know one two dribble pull-ups and then crazy step back shots to prove to NBA scouts that hey I'm not playing in a major power you don't get to see me every night the one or two nights you're finally getting to see me I better go out here I better have a dynamite game like some of these other prospects just don't have that pressure on their shoulders and I'm not going to slate Pat for one to play for his dad I'm not going to slate him for one to stay closer to home that's his choice, that's his decision to make. I shouldn't think it should impact his draft stock in a supremely negative way like it already is. But he had a few bad games overall. Like, so what? Everybody has a few bad games overall. Like, on that Duke team, we were we were talking about in the war room. We were talking about Trevor Keels. Like, Trevor Keels had that big game in, in the Garden. Like, what the hell has he done since then? Like, point to me the, the, the other game that he's had where we're sitting back and we're saying is he a prospect who has a ceiling higher than like Luke Dork? Like I haven't seen anything. A lot of these guys struggle. They're young. They're freshmen. It is what it is. And you, you actually flip on the tape. You watch some of the shots that he has made. Like everybody, everybody who's saying negative stuff about him wanted to clip up that shot of that step back three that he made against Colorado. And they're like, look at what this guy can do. This is why we don't want to completely sell off of him but then they watch the rest of the game and they see him miss some of these tough shots. And they're like, Oh, he's not getting around guys. Or I don't know how he's going to do this at the next level. It's like, dude, he's six ten. He's longer than almost everybody else. The jump shot is butter. It looks good. It's smooth. It's money. And then you look at some of the numbers that I pointed out in my column. Everyone's like, Oh, he's not making all these shots. The numbers are, are crap. No, the numbers really aren't crap to be perfectly honest with you. He rates out pretty well in some pretty good percentiles to be ranked in uh, as a shot maker as a shot profile. Per Synergy Sports, 88th percentile on spot up shooting, 68th percentile on transition scoring, 96th percentile on all jump shots made off the dribble. He's a 92nd percentile rating in terms of pick and rolls, including passes. Like he's doing some interesting things if if you just pump the brakes a little bit and not look at just the raw box score numbers like I'm sorry I'm not going to drop this kid I'm not going to drop him yet I'm going to keep him where he is and Tyler I can already see this unfolding where like everybody wanted to argue with me about why I was so high on Cole Anthony because Cole Anthony was inconsistent for a whole college year um I this is this is going to happen all over again it's like I'm it's déjà vu all over again I can't believe I'm going to have to do this but here we are. We're going to be three months in, and Patrick Bowen's probably going to do some crazy things against some of these other teams that he plays. But everyone's going to look back and point to Florida and Colorado and maybe Rhode Island. They're going to be like, "Well, why didn't he do it in these games?" For you know, everyone, that... no, where, you, where are you at, Tyler? Where are you at, Tyler? I I, I just rambled far too long. It, it is no, my no, podcast, no. but I rambled too long. Go ahead.
1: No, you didn't ramble too too long because this is a serious thing. Because for everyone that you know, is listening and isn't watching us on the YouTube channel, Um, I was dead stone-faced the entire time because I couldn't agree more. This annoys me because it happens every year. We find a guy that just has a couple bad games and we're like, look, look at what he did in that game. And it's like, okay, yes, but this could be a hot take. I think you could put anyone in this draft on a team like Milwaukee, like all respect to those kids or anyone at that competition level.
0: It's a bad team. Don't even It's worth Tyler. It's a bad team.
1: I'm just saying, if we took any one of these guys in our top 30 and said, go play there, you're the guy. They're going to get all the attention and defensive coverages and the kitchen sink's going to get thrown at them and they're going to struggle too. So I'm not... Selling any stock on Patrick Baldwin. It's two games. His team was getting just roughed up in both games. You know, for everyone that wants to point out that Florida game, I watched it and saw stuff that I was in awe of what Patrick Baldwin was doing, like in a good way. I was some like, of the, the right. shots he's able
0: to create off oh. the bounce are ridiculous, and just because they don't go in, like Cole Anthony for the Orlando Magic he as rookie, year had a whole year of shots I could point to where they look good coming off, but they just didn't go in, and now. This second year, he's making more of those shots, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's Cole Anthony, an All Star!" Like, it's a coin your coin your phrase, Tyler. Sometimes it just takes time.
1: It does, but and I was right there with you, like Cole Anthony. I'm not saying I had the love you did, but everyone was like, "I don't know," and I'm like, "Go look at his highs. His, I mean, he might have had some lows and some inconsistency, but the highs are up there with anyone. And when you watch Patrick Baldwin," He does some stuff at 6'10 that you're like, my goodness. And, and I forget who said it on our no ceilings team, but they were, I think it might have been Alex, but they were just like, or no, it might, you know what? It might have been Simon. I think it was Simon. Shout out Simon. I think he was saying, you know, Baldwin might not be this number one guy, but he might be this lethal number two, like a Middleton piece. And I was like, that's not crazy at all. And I think Baldwin,
0: has you better won. be damn sure I'm taking that kind of a player with a top seven pick still. Oh my gosh, I'd, but, I'd yeah. love that.
1: If I got Chris Middleton uh, right now at top 10 pick, yes, sign me up at 6'10". So I get it. I understand people were basically like ringing a dinner bell or, you know, firing up sirens after that game. Because like you said, we hinted in the beginning of the year, if he didn't go and have strong performances at at least one of those games, Everyone was going to be like, look, we, we circled that game before. Now we're circling it with red Sharpies because we're freaking out because yeah. he struggled with the tough competition. I was like, yes. What'd the rest of his team do to help out? Did he have to try to beat the you know, strong competition on his own? I just think it's so easy to react after one or two games and you can't do it. You can make note of it. Because it's important to look back and be like, well, he had tough games there. Yes, that's fine. What do you do with the rest of the year? Did he just have two bad games on the road and really, really tough competition and then showed a lot of really good signs throughout the year? What if those tough games build his confidence down the road that he can almost expect what to go up against against tougher competition? So I, I think there's way too many overreactions. It's so early, like you said, Nathan, we knew this was going to happen. I'm not trying to say that we're psychics, but we were expecting this potentially to happen because you just knew it was going to be an overreaction slate of, you know, games that if he didn't go nuts, people were going to start getting cold on him. And if you want to sell his stock, let me know, because I am still buying. I I, I believe yep. it. The, the, tools, the, Ford- the
0: upside are too great. Go ahead. But before I before I say what I'm about to, we, we we bring up Simon's name every damn week on this podcast. Simon, you're as much of an honorary member as no ceiling as I think could possibly exist. So, like, oh heck, sh- yes, sh- he is. I love sh- sh- Shout shout out to you,
1: Simon. But he's not paying us for these call-outs, by the way. No, he he's does not. Great stuff. So, no, he's Simon, not. if you're listening to this while you're dead squatting like six thousand pounds, <laughs> I
0: hope you're laughing. <laughs> We're. I already told we're going to get them on a bunch of podcasts. Oh, it's, for it's, sure, it, it's going to happen. But the prospects like prospects like Baldwin, prospects like Cole Anthony. I feel like if you try your hand at the scouting thing long enough, eventually you come to a situation like one of these two guys. And this is yes. this is really where you make your bones as a scout. Like, mm-hmm. how much do you believe in your eye test and what you're seeing versus all the group think and all the consensus talk out there? And before we just sit here and try and toot our own horns, no, we've gotten plenty of things wrong in the past. We're going to continue to get plenty of things wrong. We're, we're going we're to fuck up a number of guys in this draft class. I can almost guarantee it. But do you have, as Skip Bayless would say, do you have the courage of your convictions to stand by what you believe in, your evaluation process, your eye for talent, and we do and that's that's what we believe in doing here at no ceilings that's what we stand for we we're we're, no, we're trying to be different in the draft space but we're also trying to be more of an optimistic platform we're trying to give all these kids a fair share that's that's how all of us operate we're we're all we're all positive upbeat good guys and that's the kind of it's kind of energy the type of vibe that we want to spread on this podcast on the substack and beyond so yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to drop Baldwin based off of a few bad games. It's just, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. If anybody wants to argue with us on a podcast draft deeper at gmail.com, baby, send us an email schedule. It. Let's go. But yeah, I, I, I definitely needed to get that out. I needed to get it in writing and we're playing our flag, Tyler. We're playing our flag on, on Patrick Baldwin Island. Do we have him number one overall in 2022? No, we don't, but are are am I gonna drop him to like twenty-two because of what he's done? Or like like Caleb Houston wanted the people wanted to boot him down to like twenty-four. Like a week and a half ago, it's like Jesus, like let these kids play some games. Let them play a full year. Let's let's put let's get like five, six, seven games under our belt for each of these guys and let's evaluate them properly. And let's like, let's see how it plays out.
1: Completely agree. And and I'm I'm not saying that you know we're right on everything because we'd be liars. I mean, we are all gonna have misses. I've had misses. You know, we're gonna probably do something at No Ceilings where we make fun of all of our misses because if you're not evaluating, oh, so. if, if you're not evaluating these guys and and going all in on your opinion, the, you're you know you're gonna have misses if you want to do this. That, that's the part of the industry, and I just think it's so early. And what I really want to point out is if you don't believe in this kid, that's great. You you can have your opinion. Like we're going to have opinions about everyone at the end of the season. Like we're going to yeah. all have guys that we're not sold on and it's just our beliefs.
0: And we're not saying you got to have Patrick Baldwin top 7, but like no, don't no, don't no, no, don't no. don't overreact and like just chuck him off of your board like you know, like like Wow, he, he was a complete dumpster fire, like tire right. fire. Like, don't, don't right. overreact is what
1: we're trying right. to say. Right, right. And, and I, I think everyone – I like when people have bold takes. I've said this before. I like when people have bold takes because it makes me start thinking, like, cool, did, did I miss something? And yeah. Should I go back and watch the film? Like, Absolutely. I have no problem with people having their own opinion. But like you're saying, Nathan, if you had this kid, top six, top seven, and you saw that game, don't be like, oh, I got to put him at 19. Like just wait a little bit. Let's, let's let, let's see how he re- responds. You know, you pointed out in your article, he's got a couple games coming up that better opponents for him. Probably if he can rebound, then all of a sudden you might be like, well, why did I drop him? Now I want to move him back up. It's just like, let's get, let's get a little bit more into the year. Let's get a bigger sample size with a lot of these guys. As Stephen you, A. Smith likes to
0: say it's fluid. It's it's, it's fluid. fluid. It's fluid. It's fluid. No, it,
1: I'm just, I, I completely agree. I think all that was really important. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm not worried about Patrick Baldwin. I think that would be really challenging. You know, it was going to be tough for anyone to go play at that level and then have the, that type of competition.
0: I still love the flashes. I'm, I'm not selling yet, still buying. Since I let you expound and be a homer on Arizona, since I got up on my soapbox, we've taken so much time to talk about just three guys. So well, let, let's do some quick hits here on some okay. of the other names that I wanted to talk about tonight. So I wanted to get words in my column about Taron Armstrong. Alex on our team did a beautiful piece
1: yes, on he did. Mr.
0: Armstrong, and that, that piece is is still getting clicks at this point. Everybody loves that piece. So shout out to Alex. But it was an important piece to write. I talked about Taron Armstrong when I had Chad on the podcast. Chad is a believer in everything he's seen from a passing standpoint. The man truly is a wizard with the basketball. He yes, had yeah. 15 assists to two turnovers, as we pointed out, against North Dakota last week. That's, that is absurd for a college freshman to have a stat line like that. That's ridiculous. I don't care what he shot from the field. He was clearly getting others much better shots than what he was getting for himself. And as long as the ball is going in the bucket at some point, and the W is going up on the board, that's really what a coach is concerned about, right? We, we just, we want to see if you can't make the right play for yourself, can you bring the ball out or make the right play for somebody else? That's always what I want to see. Like people got on, People got on Jared Butler last year. Like a common criticism for Butler was like they questioned, yeah, the handle's great, but like, does he have that next level gear in terms of his quickness, that first step, that first, to consistently like get downhill and score? It's like, no, he might not, but he also knew when to bring the ball back out, and when to get somebody else involved or make the right decision past that. And pro teams value that. Pro teams love that. Taryn Armstrong can do some ridiculous things with the basketball. Like some of the passes he makes, like, I I agree with what Chad said. It's like if you want to see what this kid's about, just go flip on a YouTube highlight clip, or or watch some of the clips that Alex put in his piece. Uh, go read that over on our Substack. Like you'll see the type of absolute bullshit wizardry that this kid pulls out of his ass every single game. It's it's incredible. It, it really is. Like I, I I it's it's him and LaMelo Ball are the types yes. of passers that that we're like evaluating him with. It's like him, him and Ball. He's 6'5". He's not the quickest of guys, but. He has great feel for the game, great instincts. He's the best rebounding guard in this class. He's not completely enough to score the basketball himself. He's still averaging 12 points a game, and he's averaging those 8.8 assists per game to to three turnovers. So he's over a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, almost a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio with how much he has the ball in his hands. I'm leaving the door open, Tyler. I'm leaving the door open for this kid to be the best point guard in the class. Out of all the guys that we can talk about, it's like each one of them has their own... Distinct thing that stands out, it's like J.D. Davison has the best best overall size when you factor in the length, and he's the best athlete out of all the point guards in the class. Kennedy Chandler is the quickest point guard in the class, and he's probably the best passer other than Armstrong. But he can't score very well in isolation. We saw some of the 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 game the game against Texas Tech, for example, where he couldn't score over virtually anybody he was going up against. He was having a tough time in some of those shots. Ty Ty Washington. It, Is he quick enough to do things off the bounce? How good of a shot maker really is he once you get him outside the paint? Is he a good enough passer? Uh, You just go go, go down the list. John Montero has done some incredibly awesome things for overtime elite. He has some brilliant highlights on tape, but then you see him make some really, really dumb mistakes, and he's only playing against high school-level competition. He's not playing against the same type of competition that these other guys are. Taron might have some scoring inefficiencies, but what do you like out of your point guard? Do you want somebody else who can lead the team and get everybody else involved and make the right play almost at all times? Do you want to score in Dynamo? Like, what do you want? And just given where the NBA is going, this this focus on up and down transition play and making something happen out of nothing in the half court, that's Taron Armstrong's profile in a nutshell. So, I'm not closing the door on him being the best point guard in the class and being a first-round talent by the time our next board comes around. Where where are you at, I'm Mr. Armstrong?
1: Yeah, we keep talking about – me and you, we keep talking about this point guard class is just got so many movable parts. And I think what we're starting to see is that each, each prospect kind of has their own uniqueness, their own NBA skill set. And when you get to Armstrong, he's the best passer. Probably one of the best passers in college, and it's not—he's one of the best passers I've ever seen. Scouted, yes, period, and without a doubt, it's not. You can you can be a point guard in college and have some high assist numbers. It's one thing when you're throwing guys open, and that's what Armstrong's doing. I mean, I love you, that you said
0: that's a great phrase. I love that.
1: Yeah, you—he throws teammates open for easy buckets. He leads them to wide open backdoor layups. He throws some angles. You're like i didn't even see that potential pass how did he see that he is just fun if you haven't watched him and it's it's crazy because beginning of the year i'd start watching cal baptist and i'm like what am i doing i you know i gotta get i gotta go to bed it's 2 a.m i'm watching cal baptist energy and armstrong i was just like oh my gosh Uh, who is this kid and I think I threw it to the No Ceilings Group, and I think I got, like, a response from Alex, like, a day later, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm hooked. And then he wrote that sensational piece on him. But when you watch him, it's just some of the stuff he does with the balls in his hand, it's incredible. And it's a mature approach for a freshman. He doesn't get panicked. He just feels he, he waits for the defense to give him a window and then he just throws gorgeous passes all over the place so he he, he does
0: get a little too flashy sometimes yes, like yes, we can't definitely. we can't say that he's 100 measured and, and, and tempered however there are also plenty of times like in that texas game for example here we go some some prospect at a lower level school is going to get picked apart because he didn't have a, the best game against texas the power five team here we freaking go again but he had one assist to seven turnovers, but a lot of those turnovers came from his teammates, just didn't recognize what was happening in front of him. Like Taryn saw two plays ahead. He's playing with teammates who clearly don't have that type of processing ability as far as on offense game, where they're at right now. You put Terran Armstrong on a much better team. I it's, it's 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 I can't even I can't even imagine the type of yeah. numbers that he might put up on a power five team in terms of the assist tools. It, it's 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 crazy what he's doing.
1: Yeah, and I I'll keep it short because I know we've been going on about the other guys so for so long, but you know even in that Texas game, you saw obviously we were expecting him to struggle just because that's just a massive jump in competition. But he also had a little bit of a baseline drive where he he put a dunk on someone, and you just kind of like whoa, where did that come from? Oh so yeah, there's some, there's some nastiness, there's some competitiveness, which. Oh, He is confident. I saw like, I
0: saw like an after the game interview where he's like, yeah, he's fully 100% in on himself and his ability. And he wants to go out there and prove it to everybody else. And like, you would like to at least hear that from somebody like that.
1: Yeah. He's feisty. So I, I I don't think it's that ridiculous that I think you need to get on the hype train. Um, everyone listening, you know, watching, you need to start watching them because you'll be a fan in a hurry. And if you need some convincing Alex at no ceilings on our of uh, Stack was, his article's fantastic. Uh, the Wizard of Oz is how he titled it. You know, he's just a playmaking wizard. So you got to watch Armstrong. Taron Armstrong's just been so much fun to watch. And I can't wait to keep watching this year because I think if he keeps playing like this, that that conversation's going to get a little louder. You know, he, I thought he was going to be this next year
0: prospect. Maybe it's this year. You never know. We'll do the quickest hits on the Purdue Rutgers, guys. I want to yeah. spend... Just a tad more time on Jordan Hall, the St. Joseph's wing, who I saw have 26 points against my alma mater, Temple Owls. Was I rooting for Temple in the game? Yeah, probably. but Guilty. I also Guilty, but I, I also wanted to see Jordan have a big game because I know how hard he works. I know that he's a very good kid off the court, very bright, processes the game at as near or as high of a level as a lot of the other prospects we could talk about in this draft class, I I wanted to see him up close because I wanted to see, first of all, could he improve defensively? And you saw that he's putting forth much better effort this year. He's communicating with his teammates. He's even getting on guys when they miss a rotation or even on the offensive end when they miss something happening. And he's being very verbal with them, and sometimes he's even yelling at them. And what's great to see is that he's established himself clearly as a leader in that locker room because guys aren't responding in a negative way to him; They aren't responding poorly to him when he's pointing stuff out to him trying to help him improve so I love a lot of what I saw from Jordan Hall we knew what he could do offensively he's a 6'9 ball handler very good passer has the court vision sees the game like a like a Kyle Anderson type of forward is he going to shoot the ball at this consistent of a clip well if he does he's he sank 15 threes in the span of a week like that's that's magnificent for, for somebody his size to have that level of shooting touch i bought the stroke last year i i really compared his shooting stroke to like a michael porter jr light like i really think it's that silky smooth when he gets it off i did not have him in my top 30 this go around i we did not have him in a top 30 on a composite board but i can promise you he will be in a top 30 when i update my 2.0 draft deeper board any any thoughts you want to share mr jordan hall
1: Another name that I think we need to start talking about, um, just quietly buzzing behind the scenes. Um, I'm a sucker for when guys come back and you can see the production across the board is taking the next step forward. Like it's, you can just see that their game's coming, coming, uh, coming to a tra- tradition. You know what I'm saying? Coming to factor. You can see that the, the the confidence is flowing. I struggled there a little bit, but um, no. And You know, we just talked about Alex with the Taron Armstrong piece. I have a feeling that he might have some thoughts about Jordan Hall soon, but I've liked what I've seen. Just really intrigued and another guy that I think we have. This is the time of the year where you start getting some guys out of nowhere that are like, okay, I'm going to make some noise. I'm going to put my resume out there. And Hall's been doing some really nice stuff. Um, I'm excited to watch him way more. I I really am excited to do a little little bit of a deep dive. Especially with Alex's piece, yeah, I, I have a feeling that one's going to be a pretty good one too. So,
0: Ron Harper Jr. top sixty. Yes, guy.
1: yes, top sixty. Top. top yes, two. I had, I had one of my favorite sleepers last year. I love Ron Harper Jr. I, I just think that dude can. That dude belongs on an NBA team. I just like the way he plays. That's all I'm going to say because I know you have thoughts on him, but I, I love Ron Harper Jr. I I,
0: I wrote about him. In the column, I was there for Purdue Rutgers, so was Corey. Corey got an awesome snapshot of the game-winning bucket that he hit. He had a big game overall, 30 points, 10 rebounds. He deserved that game. He is another guy who now is a senior. He hasn't gotten nearly as much buzz as he probably should have up to this point. I agree with you. He was also a sleeper for me last year. I know that Coach Adam Spinella, who we respect a lot of the the boxing one, he tweeted out he was like a top 40 guy for him, and he should gain that kind of buzz. Yeah, when you get to the second round, especially when we just brought up the point that a lot of these other guys were not as excited about, why not give somebody like Ron Harper Jr. a shot? Who He's a unique prospect. He's 6'6", 245 pounds. He's built like a shit brick house. But at the same time, in a small ball era, you kind of want guys who can play up a position, who aren't going to get pushed off their spots, who are confident shot makers from all over the floor. They can back it down to the post. He can hit that turnaround. He can hit an open three-point shot. He can take a guy off the dribble defensively. He has much better feet than I think you'd probably expect for somebody his size on the perimeter. He can actually cover guys a little bit. Obviously he can test shots around the basket. He can rebound. Yeah. I I like him. I'm so glad he had that moment. And that was probably the game that got him back on everybody's radar. We've talked about Jay Nivey so much. I don't want to, I don't want to waste any more time at this point talking about Jay Nivey. We're going to have plenty of words on him both this week in the mock draft and for episodes to come but Travion williams is the last guy I'll bring up Travion yeah. williams dude yeah he, he almost had a triple double uh, over the weekend uh, against NC state had great numbers against Rutgers 610 believe two 250 260 pounds somewhere somewhere along those lines can back it down passive best passer out of the post that we have in this draft class by far like no nobody even comes close he he whips that he zings that ball across the court, like no other big kid in this class. He can sneakily take you off the dribble. He's he's not really that much of a jump shooter, but he can hit an outside shot every now and then, very confident scorer on the interior. is one of those guys, if you're trying to go up against him when he's defending in the paint, you, you, you can't finish through him. I don't know why you would want to try to finish through him. You're probably going to get a little embarrassed. This guy, I really do not see his name enough. in in draft circles we're not saying that he should be a first rounder I don't know if I'm going to get around him being a first rounder but like second rounder no question he should be drafted like where where are you at on that
1: I think yes 100% I I, second round for sure Um, need to watch way more but if you're big with that type of size with that vision and passing ability yeah, you're going to get the attention of teams because someone's going to believe like, oh, he's got size and he could see the floor and make all these plays for everyone around him. Like, yeah, we'll we'll find a place for him. I, I just, you know, Harper and Williams, those are two guys that maybe they get drafted in the second round. Maybe they go to the G League and get some serious playing reps and confidence. And then maybe they become a really nice rotation asset. That's the type of if you want to say projects, that's the type of second round picks that teams want because they're like,
0: Hey, we can we could turn him into a really I nice think they could be player. even better than that though. I think yeah, they can yeah. come in and, and contribute on on an NBA bench. I absolutely yeah, yeah, think yeah. they can and draft draft seniors. Draft yes. Seniors, one hundred percent. Stop these-
1: underestimating the upperclassmen. Let the upperclassmen have a chance. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead. I love how Nathan is, is passionate about that too. I can't. Stand- I was so passionate. Oh. I just
0: shook my screen on the YouTube video, but that that's that's <laughs> what we get on some of these podcasts. But that being said, that's going to do it. We we hit on enough bases on this podcast. I'm proud of the work that we did. That 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 you're right, Tyler. That was about as fun of a podcast that was as great. Like we've done together. So. Thank you so much for coming on. Do your spiel that you do every week, talk about no ceilings, do a better job promoting the damn substack than I do.
1: It is absolutely free. Noceilings.substack.com. We're doing draft content every day. It's as much as you can handle. We're we're doing all depths of the draft, not just the big boys. We're diving as deep as possible. So Like I said, it's free. Nathan does a great piece. Everyone on our team does great, fantastic work in special areas. Um, Please, please go subscribe to that. And you know, we're getting the YouTube channel rolling too. So we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff, a lot of really exciting projects coming up uh, soon in the near. Every
0: every day we put out at least one piece Monday through Friday. Some days you get like four to six things going out at one time, and. I'm trying to work in my day job and I can't even keep up with trying to promote all this stuff. Like, I'm like, man, where did this guy? I didn't even know. Like, like you, you, you do that all the time, Rucker. You freaking put out these pieces that like we didn't even know you were working on something. And then all of a sudden I'm very, very sneaky. Then all of a sudden it just drops on the sub stack, and I'm like, where did this come from? But yeah, that that's the type of content that you can expect from us. In your face, Monday through Friday. We're always pumping stuff out. So go join us over there. If you aren't subscribed to this podcast, I don't even know what the hell you're doing at this point. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Follow Tyler on Twitter at Backcore B. Follow No Ceilings on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. We're almost at 800 followers, I think, at the time of Oof. recording this podcast. In like a it's month, we're going to get up to a thousand followers. Like, let's let's go. We're 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 definitely pumped about everything that we're doing. So, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Stay tuned. This week, I got Seth Part now coming on the podcast. We're going to talk about his new book, The Mid Range Theory. I'm doing a podcast on Friday with Mr. Stephen Gillespie from Draft Capital. We're going to start a series, Tyler. This is first, year you're going to hear about this. We're doing a series every month. Him and I are going to compare our own personal big boards and amazing. I, I, we're going to throw some no ceilings composite board talk in there in there too. I'm sure, but Shout that's, that's out, Stephen. that's even that's something out. we're going to do every single month. So I'm, I love I'm, that. I'm, I'm hyped for that as well. So plenty coming, stay tuned. But for now, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks for listening.